Today's episode is brought to us by CS Instant Coffee, the best coffee for any adventure you're going to go on. Use the code ADVENTURE at csinstant.coffee and get 50% off through September and October. So give it a shot. And we're also brought to you by Rome Products. They make elastic knit minimalist style wallets with all sorts of designs. Get 20% off the perfect minimalist wallet for all your adventures. It'll hold everything you need by going to wheredoyouroam.com and use the code PODCAST with a capital P at checkout. For people that don't know about that, they're, they're pretty strong, like for small stuff. But if you have tons and tons of ice coming in and like closing in on a bay, you have no chance. It'll either rip you off of your anchor and take you to shore or it'll literally just crush the boat like a, like a tin can. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, I'm trying to help you find adventure every day in any stage of life. You're going to hear from explorers, adventurers, business owners and anyone living their life a little more out of the box than usual. Oh man, summer is starting to feel like such a distant memory already. Fall is here in Denver, and it's still warm outside, but it you can tell, man, it is changing. Leaves are falling, um, a little bit bittersweet. And I know we've had a lot of water-based episodes, water sports episodes this summer, and uh, that's mostly because, you know, they take place in the summer, uh, but that's not always the case, and today's episode's proof of that. A few weeks ago, actually a couple months ago now, we talked to the SV Delos captain, Brian Trotman. Well, today we're talking to his brother, um, as well as another crew member, Alex, and they they recently did a trip up way above the Arctic Circle, way out of their norm of the tropics uh, where they m- spend most of the time sailing. And they sailed around the island of Svalbard. Check it out. It's gorgeous. But they're going to talk today about the unique challenges, uh, what it was like, and a mini-series that they're making from it. So welcome, Brady and Alex. And yeah, enjoy the episode. So, so where are you guys, uh, where are you guys, you said you're in a marina, where's that right now? Yeah, we're in an island called Lanzarote, and it's in the Canary Islands. So we're pretty much in an island that's about 60 miles west of Africa, off the coast of Africa. Oh my gosh, that sounds so awesome. Is, is it gorgeous? It's pretty incredible. It's like being on Mars, actually, man. Like, if you've seen any of the crazy movies about Mars or the moon, it definitely feels like that. Like, it's one of the youngest islands in the archipelago, so the volcanoes have... When was the last time they erupted? Let's see. The last eruption was in the mid-1900s, but there was quite a bit of... There was, like, 60 years of activity in the mid-1800s. Yeah. So it's still pretty young. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing. It's a very different kind of beauty that... I don't know. I guess it's 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 not like a lush tropical jungle that you're, you know, amazed by right away. You really have to kind of stare at it for a while to take it <laughs> in and really appreciate it. So it's super different than anywhere we've been. Oh, that's very interesting. So I mean, geologically speaking, it's like two seconds old, you know, and so yeah. it's, it's not yeah. even like mature yet and what it's going to be. Exactly. In the scheme of things, it's just a baby and there's houses built all over the place. So it's literally like they're just built on the side of a volcano that erupted a couple seconds ago. 
Yeah. That is trippy. so nuts. And so <laughs> you're you're in this mid. You're if I'm correct, you're in this uh, in the middle of a big loop of kind of the Atlantic Ocean right now. Yeah, exactly, man. We left. Um, well, it's kind of a big loop of the entire Atlantic Ocean. We left South Africa when Alex joined us in. 2000 Two, like april of 2017 i think yeah it was. so 2017 we left south africa we went up the coast to namibia uh crossed over to brazil and then kind of worked our way up um into the caribbean and then this past season we left from florida and yeah we went to bermuda and then from bermuda on the way to the azores and from azores down to the canaries so if you kind of look at it on google earth it's basically a big clockwise circle in the Atlantic that we're doing this season. Uh, we plan on leaving here to sail back to the Caribbean in November. So it'll be a, a lot of sailing and one big lap of the Atlantic, basically. <laughs> I didn't oh even think gosh. about it like that. That is yeah. so crazy. And now, is this the same boat, the SV Delos? Yeah, SV Delos, that's right. Okay. And now, and, and how many people are on the crew right now? Uh, right now it's just me and Blue. Yeah, as of today, our, our other today. crew hopped off, so it's just Brady and I, which I, we've only had, Brady and I have been, I've been on the boat for over two and a half years, and I think we've had, like, two days on the boat to ourselves, so. <laughs> what? Yeah. So this is, so you guys are approaching kind of a new challenge. Yeah, a new <laughs> yeah, chapter. Definitely. You could say, you could look at it like that, definitely. Yeah, we, I mean, we love having people around so much, it's in no way a bad thing, it's just something that. It's always, we're always going so much and moving so much that when people come and go, we only have a couple time, a couple days between the time. Or if we're not sailing, we usually leave the boat for a break and go fly to the snow or go visit family or so actually sailing wise. Yeah. We haven't really sailed alone. Does that make you nervous? Are you guys excited about it? No, not at all, man. Uh, Delos is a super easy boat to handle. She's very forgiving and, and strong. I'd say the two of us make a pretty good team on board. So even that being said, we're spending some time, the two of us here um, in the Canaries, working and editing and uh, catching up on all the filming we've been doing. But once we start sailing again, we will be having crew come and join us again just to just to experience the passage. It's always good to have a bunch of random people get together and go sailing. It really brings out the best in everyone. I guess. The right kind of people. <laughs> Probably the worst yeah. in others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that could happen. We've been pretty lucky overall. Man. So, so yeah, we, and so the listeners have heard uh, Brian's story about, you know, like getting the boat and leaving from Seattle. Um, I'd love to hear both of your introductions into how you got onto the boat and how you've, uh, and how and why you just continued to keep doing it. Um, Brady and Alex, I'd love to hear both your stories individually. So whoever wants to start can, when did you join the boat and, um, yeah, what was that experience like? Yeah, I guess chronologically it makes sense if I go ahead and start first. And cool. so Brian and I are, are brothers, obviously, if, if he didn't tell you that we're brothers and, um, we're about 10 years apart in age. So when he had the boat and was cruising down to Seattle, I was you know, 20, 21 years old and he needed help taking the boat across uh, from Mexico to the Marquesas. And at that time, I was, which is like the South Pacific, so like the Tahiti area and the Tuamotus and all that crazy stuff. And I was in Florida. Um, I was a captain there, and I was also teaching scuba diving, like in between going to classes for college. Where? In the Florida Keys. So like Isla Mirada and that kind of area. 
And yeah, man, I loved it. Like that's where I really fell in love with the ocean and fell in love with water. And every chance I got when I wasn't going to college trying to get a degree, I was out scuba diving or trying to captain boats and take people diving or teaching people to dive. So you were already kind of in that world, sound like. Yeah, definitely. I was I was definitely in the in the ocean loving world already. And then um so yeah, I of course said yes to that trip, right? Because <laughs> scuba diving in Florida it's incredible, but all you dream of is diving in the South Pacific and going to Tahiti and all these places that you've seen in magazines and stuff. So I um, I flew out to Mexico with the little savings I had and, and a student loan that I took out for the next kind of semester that I was going to go back to. And we left for Mexico, and that was like the first kind of big ocean sailing I'd ever done. And I know Brian had done one trip before that, but we were pretty new to the whole thing and new to living on a boat and traveling full time. So, I mean, everything was so new and so fresh and I don't know, man, just the excitement you get of every little thing of, of cooking on board and barbecuing. And, you know, the boat was not really our home and office back then. It was more like, you know, when you go out in the lake with a, with a friend on the weekends with a boat and it's like, you're on vacation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of, that's that's what it, I mean it still feels like that from time to time but definitely when it started out like that like that's how I could explain to people how it felt like we were just we were living on the ocean and scuba diving and fishing and being sustainable and everything that goes along with it it was super adventurous I fell in love with that lifestyle like that was I was just changing as a person and growing I mean over the period of 2 or 3 months I probably changed so much and and I don't know matured is the right word but kind of figured out that I didn't want to go back to university and go back to college just to get a degree, to have a piece of paper, to do something that I thought society wanted me to do, you know? Oh, yeah. You were you were getting a real education out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I kind of realized. So I took that student loan that I took out to go back to school, and I just used it to pay for sailing and traveling pretty much. Not a bad investment, is what it turned out to be. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it was probably, some people would have said it's irresponsible at the time, but nowadays, I mean, uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier, and and uh, now I'm, I'm student loan debt-free, which is nice, and um, it went to exactly what it should be, which is kind of following a passion that could lead to, to something, you know, something bigger. Wow, and so so you didn't look at your brother as crazy when he told you about it? No, no way, man. I was like, I actually had never heard of people doing it. I knew people like sailed and, and went away for weekends and I don't know, did overnight trips, but like permanently leaving home and to go sail to a far off destination, I never really put two and two together. And then once he was like, yeah, I kind of want to do this. It was, it all just clicked into place and was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Of course. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah, that's just at that age, especially like what it, what an incredible, influential experience to have, and and to be able to do it with your brother, like just how much cooler is that? Just, I mean, yeah. very very. Um, I don't know if it's rare or just it's amazing, just to say the least. I, mean, I don't even know how I have to keep tripping <laughs> over my words. <laughs> Dude, but, I don't know. I don't know how many people we meet that are like man, I can't believe you're doing that with your brother. There's no way I could spend that much time with my brother. Like, we would have killed each other by now. <laughs> a lot of people feel that way. I know my and, wife and her sister, they love each other, but 
No, they they'd kill each yeah. other. Put them on a boat together for eight years or, <laughs> oh, or <God>. ten years. <laughs> I think probably the age difference ten years between you guys too. It's not like you you know you grew up together, but at yeah. a young age you actually weren't living together anymore. And yeah, sometimes exactly. a little bit of space can make people get along even better. Yeah, I think That's and, and after after for so long thinking about it, like not to get too deep into it, but like I definitely because we are 10 years apart and the reason why we lived in separate parts of the country was our parents got divorced when I was nine and, and my brother was 19. So for the, for the time that we were separated during that time, I visited him and saw him on holidays, but it wasn't like brothers living together. You know, it was just, I'm going to go visit my brother up in Seattle and like spend some time jet skiing or snowboarding, or we were into the same kind of thing. So it was more of like a, I don't know, like a positive male role model than anything back then it wasn't i didn't see it as like brothers i guess i guess i did but i don't know i'm trying to explain it in a different way it sounds like there was like this healthy amount of mystery between the two of you yeah for sure that makes yeah not really knowing them that that well i knew we had similar things in in common for sure but we yeah we didn't know each other like to the core like you would a brother that you live with and now i I think it was years later alex when when you joined the expedition How, how long ago was that yeah, it was it was a little over two and a half years ago. Uh, I a friend of mine actually sent me a video, a Delos episode, um, <laughs> and I wrote an email. Well, I guess starting starting for years before that, I had uh, I'd gone to school for photo and video production, and that was my biggest passion in life and that's kind of the path that I was on starting my own little production company so I did that out of college for about six or seven years and um, hadn't really traveled much besides in the U.S. but even when I was wanting to start my own business with photo and video I always had it in my head that one of the main reasons I wanted to start it was so that I could have the freedom to work for myself and travel even though I had never even really left the U.S. before. Um, and finally I, I hit that point and I started traveling in Central America and South America and I was even working a little bit down there and that was always my dream kind of to work in random places out of the U.S. It just sounded so fun to me to do that. And so yeah, kind of paired my love for photo and film with traveling and then I got into diving and the summer before I met Delos I ended up living and working on a catamaran that sailed between Colombia and Panama and that was my first introduction to seeing people living on a boat full-time in cruiser mode and it just blew my mind and yeah I fell in love with the lifestyle sleeping outside every night in a hammock and waking up and jumping in the ocean and all that. So after that, I, I definitely had it in my mind that I wanted to get on another boat. And a sailing friend of mine sent me a Delos episode one day. And I watched about two minutes of it, saw that they were sailing, diving, traveling, filming. And I just hit pause, <laughs> clicked over to the website, sent an email. And it's really random, especially being on the other side of things now. Delos gets a lot of messages from a lot of people every day. And uh, yeah, Brian happened to see the message and I FaceTimed with him and Karen one time. And then a couple days later, they invited me to fly to South Africa and hop on board to sail across the South Atlantic to Brazil. And a week. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I remember when when Brian 
Brian first got the email because I was away at a friend's wedding when the email came through. So he gave me a call and he's like, hey, bro, this this guy, Alex, sent an email and like, you know, he's into diving and, he, and, he, and he's a videographer and like, and he's done a bit of sailing and he's like, I, what do you think? Like, do you want to do want to have another crew on board that's kind of into that same? And we're like, yeah, man, that'd be sweet just to kind of, it's always good to have like-minded people on the boat. So it was super random. And then when I came back, we had a Skype call and it was like, Oh, Alex, <laughs> Alex is a girl, <laughs> which kind of is even, even more unique because it's, it's, it is pretty rare in the industry to find a girl that's, that's into all the, the, these kind of things and is incredible at video and editing. And yeah, so it was like, okay, sweet. Yeah. Bring her out. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a perfect, unique opportunity to use your degree, like you're using your degree right now. This blows my mind too. And also <laughs> aligning perfectly with what you're also passionate about is the power of an email. You know what I'm saying? Like you have not because you ask not. Anyone listening right now, something you're interested in, I can't tell you how many opportunities have popped up just by sending a quick email. Totally just worth it. Just do it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Never know what's gonna what it's going to lead to. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because when I sent it, you know, being a freelancer, you send a lot of emails like that. I've sent so many emails like that and never gotten responses. And it's fine. It doesn't hurt anything. So when I sent that email, I hit send and thought, okay, that's that. Probably never going to hear back from these people. And then I did and it completely changed the path of my life. So you have to put yourself out there and be okay with not hearing back or being okay with being rejected or anything like that it's, it's like the lottery eventually yeah one of them will work out mm -hmm. absolutely that's that's people but yeah. people don't see all those you know missed calls or missed emails and all that but they they hear about the one that works out and yeah all those exactly. other ones are just totally worth it and i can't tell you i've i've done the same thing for so many this podcast was an email and uh <laughs> oh cool it, it, exactly just a shot in the dark and it, it hit bullseye so <laughs> so anyone listening please take that advice from <laughs> us and so alex when yeah. you showed up in south africa and you saw the crew was it what you thought or or was it like am i really doing this right now um for me it was actually a huge step up from the quality of life <laughs> Whoa, that I have okay, had okay. On, on the boats. The boat that I worked on um, in Colombia, it was there's kind of a circuit that a bunch of boats do sailing backpackers to and from Cartagena, Colombia to San Blas in Panama because it's the only piece of land that connects the two countries. Oh, the Darien Gap. Gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, infamously dangerous. And so you either have to fly, which a lot of people don't like to do or can't afford, and or you can take a boat so it's like a five-day boat trip but the boat that i was living on was this dirty like catamaran that is called uh hitano del mar gypsy of the sea and it's like we would shove like seriously 20 people on this boat it's same same length as delos but catamaran so a little bit more room but we would shove 20 people on the boat dirty backpackers that had been traveling for months at a time and just, yeah, go off and not shower for weeks and weeks at a time. Like I said, sleep outside every single night. And it was just, you know, kind of a, a rage fest. And so I didn't know. I didn't know that people were living on boats and living on in cabins and able to take showers <laughs> and like living a like living more of a normal life. I was like, oh, boat life. You just go and it's super grimy and you're salty the whole time. And so when I showed up and 
realized I was actually going to get like my own bunk and sleep inside. I was, I was just stoked for that. It's <laughs> like, that's like, just to say something, that's like my dad too. I think a lot of people have that same mindset because when Brian and I were doing this before my dad really understood what we were doing, we'd always tell him to come visit and he'd be like, Oh, I, I did my camping in the army. And you're like, <laughs> dad, dad, you have no idea. Like we have showers and cabins and like a kitchen and like, you know, it's, it's like a two bedroom apartment. It's actually small. Fun. It's a, yeah, it's fun. It's a small apartment. That is too funny. But it's a lot. You know, you show up and you have no idea. There was, there was two other girls that joined us for that passage, a girl from Austria and a girl from England. And so, yeah, we were just sort of all in the same boat together, super excited, didn't really know what was going on or what to expect. But I remember that first night we were all in the boat and everyone went to sleep and us three were up just eating pizza in the cockpit that we're in right now and like drinking rum and just wondering what was it, what was going on and man we had no idea all the things that were in store for us so it's cool to look back on those memories for sure it's not always possible to take a french press or a coffee maker out in the woods with you but thankfully now you don't have to because there is a great option in cs instant coffee they make 100% Arabica instant coffee in compostable packaging. It's perfect for the outdoors or whenever you don't have the time to make a fresh pot. And right now, you can save 50% on your first order by going to csinstant.coffee and using the code ADVENTURE at checkout. One of my new favorite pieces of gear is actually my wallet, and that's because it's been inspired by simplicity by Rome products. It's a minimalist style wallet, holds my cash, my cards, holds it really tightly because it's elastic, and it's probably eliminated my wallet size down by 60 to 70%. They offer a variety of designs from artistic to patterns, and they're machine washable if they get dirty. Come with a little carabiner so you can clip it to things like your keys or your lanyard. And they also offer a complete line of silicone rings with a variety of styles and colors. So if you're tired of carrying around a big bulky wallet, go to wheredoyouroam.com and use the code PODCAST with a capital P at checkout for 20% off. And, you know, Brady, was it, was it growing pains? Is it always a tough transition when you introduce new people to the lifestyle or to your systems? Uh, Brian mentioned you guys are pretty systematic. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in, in the early stages, we weren't so systematic. And then I went off to work on like one of the times we ran out of money, which was many, many, many times. <laughs> I can imagine. I, uh, <laughs> I went out. Yeah, I want to say that a lot of people ask, oh, do, you, do parents give you the boat or your trust fund babies? Or it's like, no, we, we run out of money a lot. and <laughs> We were poor and, and uh, just enjoy the, the bare minimum of it all. Right. But when, yeah, when I went to work one time to go make some money, I worked on super yachts just because I used my kind of sailing skills that I'd learned to, to work on big boats that are worth a lot of money and they pay you quite a bit to go and travel on them. And then what I learned on those boats was that systematic lifestyle of like, there should be a round the clock watch schedule, not just at nights. There should be like a proper cooking schedule. There should be proper days where you clean the boat and everyone has like certain responsibilities. And before that, we never had a lot of crew come and go. So it was easier for me and my brother and a couple of other friends just to kind of make it work. Be like, oh, who feels like cooking tonight or who does this? And just making it that kind of systematic way 
really made everything easier because the expectations are known like right away. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's a lot less exciting, but we just did that in our own house. And this week, yeah. we just have our, our, our uh, recipes on, on index cards, and we just choose five or six each week and based on what <laughs> we have. And we're like, all right, we're making these meals. Like, I don't have to think about it all week. Like, what are we having for dinner? What are we having for dinner? I know now. I know what to cook. I know what to get ready in the morning. And yeah, for someone like awesome, me man. who just cannot organize their life, that little step, setting it up was the hardest part. But once it's set up, life is really so much easier. It's crazy. So I can imagine with something that takes the amount of work and the amount of coordination of sailing around the world, just having those in place probably makes it a lot easier when people do come and go. And it probably takes the weight off you guys when it comes to maybe training new people or, or just operating day to day. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I'd say everybody brings something different to the table. And I think that's one thing that, that I can say we're, we're pretty good at is, is figuring out what the strengths of people are. Like some people we try and, you know, everyone, when they come on the boat, they film like that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter if you know how to film. We, we have a camera that you can pick up, press record and point in the direction if you feel like filming, you know, (laughs) There you go. and like, that's it. Like it's, it's, there's so many things and there's people that, you know, okay, you're maybe not good at editing or you don't, you're not inspired by editing, but there's, there's, there's other boat projects to do. There's things to fix. There's emails we can answer. There's, you know, there's so many things that go into the admin of running a YouTube channel, and everything that there's always a task that somebody will like and take on as their own. Yeah, that's interesting because you guys, it's unique for you. You're not just sailing now and both of you can speak on this. It's, you're also running um, a, a legitimate business. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just talking with, uh, one of our, our crew members that left today. Her name's Kia and she's, uh, an old friend of mine who she's this awesome Argentinian girl, but she just lived on board for three months or something. And they took off today, but we were chatting this morning and she was just saying how, you know, before she came, she thought that, looking on social media and all this stuff that it looks like we're on vacation all the time. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I, when I go home and see my friends from back home, they're like, I don't get it. How do you travel so much and not work? And just laugh. We work so much. Everything, almost everything we do is work because we we're either filming, editing or working on the boat. Um, And so it's, it's, it's very, very full on. But I guess the thing about it is that, if you love what you do, then most of the time it doesn't feel like work. Um, I love editing and I love the experience of looking back through our footage and processing all of these memories and learning more about places that we've been doing research on them for voiceovers. And I love filming and, and taking photographs and all of this stuff. So I guess it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time, even though it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm super grateful for what we do and, and kind of what we're able to accomplish with, with our videos and YouTube. And I don't know, no matter what, at the end of the day, if you do what you love for long enough, it becomes a job. Like, that's just the way things work. It, it eventually leads to some sort of income, and then that leads to some sort of sacrifice. And the hardest thing about being on Delos and, and constantly living on board and moving locations is you're you're in your office the whole time too. So you're the only one that can like turn it on and off basically. And that that kind of separation of work life is is 
pretty much a gray area. And for me personally, I don't know about others, maybe others find it a little bit easier, but I struggle with that a lot of you wake up and you have breakfast at the table and that same table turns into your office. So then you put your computer out and you edit all day or answer emails or do admin or whatever. And then once you're done with that, then you sit down at the same table and you have dinner. And it's like, fuck, I haven't got it from this seat all day and I've been home, but I've been at the office and it just kind of, I don't know, it confuses you a bit. And, and Blue's really good at kind of like, okay, let's go, let's leave, let's go for a run, let's go for a walk, like let's get out because otherwise you just kind of sit in the same place all day and it it's it kind of takes on you mentally mm. what's going on. Yeah. Oh, man, so much going on there. I mean, first of all, it's the same space, like you said. It's complete overlap. You can't escape that space, especially when you're out in the ocean. Um, yeah. and, and then on top of that, I guarantee – you blue you said something i i love editing i i can't relate to that at all i don't i mean i'm glad i am so glad there are people out there that do that make incredible there's not, things there's not many of them there's not many people yeah, that love it that I, I used to fortunate. love it a lot more than i do for yeah. sure i mean i used to love it so much and then it was like then it becomes a chore after a while and i really really enjoy it now but i have my strengths and weaknesses and and that's kind of how we work together but I don't love it as much as I used to, I'll tell you that. I do love filming and traveling just as much, though. Okay, yeah. I think that's something that's so interesting about editing and filming and really creativity in general or taking photos or anything is that it's at some point you run out of steam on those things. Like, you run out of energy and creativity in whatever medium it is that you're doing. And I think that what's so cool and what I love about those things and why I keep doing them and committing so much of my time to them is that they can change and they can evolve. So if you're feeling in a slump or you're not feeling inspired, well, you can change that. You can do things differently. You can look at things in a different way. You can find a different system. You can focus on different aspects of it. You can learn new things. And I think that the fact that it can always be changing and growing and and you can be learning from it is super intriguing and and for me is what keeps it from being mundane yeah yeah i mean you you guys when you're the you know pun intended captains of your own ship um <laughs> in, in the creative sense there's so much that can be done but i i will say a lot of people visualize and see you guys um kind of in these tropical areas and probably in a way to mix that up. You guys recently, last year, I believe, did a, a trip up in some of the colder environments. And and that must have been creatively just a whole new way of seeing things. Yeah, man. No, 100%. Like, that's that's the kind of things that we look out for and, and get us out of our comfort zone and make us look at things differently, which when we come back to the world of what we're used to, it's new and fresh again. So that trip that we took up into the Arctic was... I mean, it wasn't on our own boat, but it was an incredible learning experience as far as videography and editing and, and kind of what we've done differently regarding the YouTube channel and stuff with that. I don't know how much Brian told you about that kind of project. Yeah, not, not much. Cool. Well, yeah, basically, we were approached by some friends of ours um, that have a, a sailing podcast called 59 North, and they said they usually do offshore charters as well, so they kind of take people that want to go and sail across oceans and they take them across just for the experience. And they were doing some high latitude sailing. So up into Iceland, Iceland Norway, yeah, Iceland, Norway, Scotland. Scotland. 
and they wanted to make it up to Svalbard, which if you don't know where Svalbard is, go and Google it right now and look how close to the North Pole it is. It is way up there. <laughs> it is insane. I mean, it's at, it's at 80 degrees north is, is pretty much the northern part of Svalbard. So it's this tiny archipelago way, way up on top of the world. And they asked us, they're like, we have, you know, a month between having people on board that we're taking offshore sailing. Do you guys want to come as a crew and do what you do? Basically, just bring your cameras, bring your equipment, go sailing and capture this place from a sailor's perspective. And I mean, it didn't take us. We got the email and, you know, within, I don't know, a day or something. It didn't even take a day. We all came together, had a meeting and we're like, yep. We're all in. Like, we didn't know how it was going to work, what was going to come from it, but just the fact that we could do something different to, like, ignite that fire that started this whole thing in the first place was what really, really made it interesting for us. And had to get some jackets, of course. Uh, <laughs> socks. Let's start with socks. Yeah, let's start with socks. Start from the from the bottom up. All we have is flip-flops on the top. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like every time I see you shirtless and flip-flops or barefoot and everyone's got an awesome tan... I'm sure this yeah. was just, I mean, going to be an adventure all in itself of like, oh my gosh, what's going to be different about this? We're on, we're on yeah. a vessel, but there's going to be differences that we don't anticipate. Oh, everything, man. And like, like what you were saying about, I don't know, when we go to a tropical island, we can just jump off Delos and go for a swim. And that's great. Like you love that. But when you're up there, man, you didn't, you don't want to fall in the water. Like you, you don't get in the water early. And we jumped in one time and it was, it was Oh, it was so cold, like yeah. freezing. It, it freaks you out how cold it is. It's, so it's, it's a totally also, different mindset. Yeah. It's also illegal to walk outside of the city limits without a rifle. Oh, yep. <laughs> because there's so many polar bears up there. There's actually a higher population of polar bears than there is people. And so you have to have a no rifle. More, yeah. More so to scare the bears away. They in no way encourage shooting bears, but... Usually if you can fire a warning shot, then they'll, they'll kind of leave you alone. So every time we went to shore, we had to have a rifle or actually we had two rifles so we could split up in two different groups. The boys had to get permits for those. We had to carry a whole safety bag with suits and like flares and all kinds of things. So the preparation, the amount of preparation that goes into everything you do, even walking out into the cockpit, you have to put on a crazy amount of layers. So it's just so much more work. Uh, but it's super rewarding. And the, the boat that we were on was smaller than Delos. So yeah. we were on Delos's 53-foot, and the boat we were on was a 48-foot. And we had eight people on board. So it was it was close quarters when you think about eight people sailing around. Then you talk about all the cold weather gear needed. Then you talk about all the camera gear and computers and stuff to, to capture it all. It's just we were literally living in little cubby holes each. Mm. Yeah, and the, and the cameras, you know, you got to, I'm sure they are affected by the cold, you know, the batteries and stuff. Yeah, the bit. batteries were not as much as I as I expected. Yeah, but. the batteries drain a little a little bit faster, but on the bigger DSLRs and stuff, not really a problem. GoPro's a little bit more susceptible to that and the drone and everything, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, we were there also in the height of summer, so uh. it was 24 hours of daylight. Wow. And, um, and it was, it wasn't, it didn't snow. I think it snowed once when we were there, Yeah. but as long as if the wind wasn't blowing, it was okay. But right when the wind started blowing, there was nothing you could do to, to warm up, to get warm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the sun literally just circles above your head. Like it's, it's 20, it doesn't matter if it's 2am or two in the afternoon. It's exactly the same 
style of light in the in the in the sky. Man, I've been to Alaska one time in the middle of summer and it was bizarre camping like, oh my gosh, it's not, <laughs> not going to get dark tonight, you know, and and so I can't imagine even farther up, that much farther up. So so what were some of the biggest differences that you guys noticed with your just day-to-day life? Obviously, layering, which was probably a pain in the butt at one some point where you're like, ah, I just I just want to walk outside. I want to have to put on 10 jackets. But what what are some of the other things with operating a boat that's different? The main difference, I think, when it comes to taking a boat into places like that is that you're considering ice and ice flow and glacial ice that's floating around. You know, when you're at an island in the Caribbean and you're anchored, you're never worried about that a chunk of that island coming off of the island and floating towards your boat and damaging it. So oh, that's of course. kind of how you could compare it, right? Yeah, not not even not even moving through it, but it coming to you. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, the tides and everything. So there like there was one day when we were at this glacier and it was three in the morning. We were up there for hours and hours having a good time. And then I remember I was flying the drone back over by the boat and uh, I saw that the boat was becoming surrounded by ice chunks. And of course, as, as a photographer, for me, more of a photographer than a sailor, I got really excited because it's this beautiful, beautiful shot, right? So I, I take this photo and then I call Andy over. Andy's the captain of the boat. And I say, Andy, look at this. You know, I'm so excited to show it to him. And He's like, wow. And then just one second later, his captain kicks in. He's like, holy, shit, we need to go right now. And he took off immediately back towards the boat. And, you know, we had to weave our way out of there. And things just just changed so quickly. Um, and but- like to put it into perspective, uh, I mean, th- these boats are fiberglass. So for people that don't know about that, they're, they're pretty strong, like for small stuff. But if you have tons and tons of ice coming in and like closing in on a bay, you have no chance. It'll either rip you off of your anchor and take you to shore or to literally just crush the boat like a like a tin can. It's 24-7 watch. It had to be pretty pretty aware. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We would do anchor watches sometimes and have people at the bow of the boat while everyone else is sleeping. You'd take a watch and you'd just be at the bow of the boat with a, like an ice pole and you'd just be fending off people pieces of ice that were coming towards the boat it wasn't every it wasn't it wasn't every night man there's a lot of preparation that can help you just like with anything the more you know the easier it is and you can get proper ice reports knowing like if the big big flows are coming you can kind of get warnings about it and if you're anchored in front of a glacier you know it's going to be calving and coming towards you but if you're anchored in a kind of a protected bay where there's not a glacier in front of you Generally, during the summer, you're not going to have big chunks of ice flowing at you. So we kind of we knew the places where it would be a danger and we took the precautions to make sure, you know, we did watches or we got out of the way before the tides changed and things like that. Ice reports. I had no idea such a thing existed. I know. I know. It's crazy. And that's a whole different. I mean, say, for example, Brady's kind of the weatherman on Delos and knows the weather really, really, really well, how things work all over the world in the bigger picture. But up there, you're it's it's really, really a step and a level beyond just the weather because it's it's the ice and it's a whole different art form knowing how to read that and how to, you know, think about what's gonna happen because X A, B, and C is happening, that means X, Y, and Z is gonna happen. So and it takes years. You can't just read a book and learn that. It takes years and years and years of experience to know things like that so. yeah we actually had a guy that lives in iceland that was doing our ice forecasting for us so 
we had a satellite phone and we'd get connection a couple times a day to check emails and he would send like daily or 12 hour updates and just kind of let us know this is the wind that's going to be changing. This is kind of the ice patterns. This is what to watch out for. And this is like the next three day forecast. So to have somebody on the ground that had, you know, a lifetime of experience in that type of a climate was invaluable for us to, to have a successful mission for sure. Oh my gosh. It's just things you, I would never think about. And, and for you guys to consider it as a team and go take it on, no wonder it felt like just such a new type of adventure, you know? <laughs> yeah, we it's didn't like even, learning I don't a know, whole new skill. Yeah, Hunter, we didn't even, we didn't think about, we didn't think about that stuff before we went either. I mean, we, we probably thought about it in our own heads, like, oh, there's probably going to be ice and glaciers, but we, we didn't sit down as a group and be like, these are the risks, these are the dangers, this is what we have to learn. We kind of went on a whim and, and trusted Captain Andy to like, you know, be that person because that's what his role was. And our role was basically to go there and, yeah, make sure the boat is safe, but to film mostly and tell the story of a bunch of warm weather sailors going to the Arctic. Right. Now, now is there any big difference in the boat itself? Like, could, could Delos do something like that? Or is it some, a different kind of boat altogether? No, no, no. Delos could definitely do something, especially since we've done it on, on the name of the boat is Eastbjorn, which means uh, polar bear in Swedish. But we did it on Eastbjorn, and that's a smaller fiberglass boat than we have. And it wasn't built to do that at all. And mm. they installed a heater and just, just kind of made it work. So it really made us realize that it's definitely possible on Delos. We definitely need to install a heater and get some, you know, cold weather gear and a few, a few things. And of course the extra precautions of having like an ice uh, survey and, and all kinds of stuff. But Dallas could definitely do it for sure. Yeah. Typically speaking uh, for anyone who, who's not a boater is that boats that are spending a lot of time in high latitudes and around ice are often aluminum or steel. Yeah. And most other boats like Delos and Isbjorn, and the boat that we went up on are fiberglass. That's like the typical kind of sailor boat, cruiser boat. Um, but yeah, like Brady said, I think real like doing it on a fiberglass boat, we realized that it's more possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Just yep. have to yeah take precautions. It's it's more dangerous if you do get caught in an ice flow or you hit something. Uh, aluminum boat or a steel boat will just kind of bounce off, and there's a chance the fiberglass boat will will have a crack in it or a hole, and then that's like the worst case scenario, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I guess it doesn't take a a professional. No, a hole in a boat will is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just on the on the topic of like how it was different for us. I always like to to talk about the 24 hours of daylight thing because yeah. it's that's such a crazy like all of a sudden your whole schedule and what your body has known its whole life is just kind of like flipped upside down. I mean, for me, it wasn't as big of a deal. I kind of sleep randomly and, and, and I'm more of a night owl than, than I am during the day. So it wasn't as much for me, but I definitely noticed that it didn't matter what time of the day we went to go film or went to go on an adventure or a mission. As long as the weather good, we just went. And then when we were tired, we slept. It wasn't like, okay, it's sunset. Let's have dinner. Let's go to sleep. Let's wake up in the morning and we'll go do something. It was like, if the weather's good, we sail. And oftentimes the weather was better between midnight and six in the morning. So we'd go on these long hikes and, and go film. And it felt like it was 12 in the afternoon. And then we'd get back to the boat at 6am, sleep for a couple hours and then start sailing again. So you have this kind of 24 hours of opportunity to capture things 
when normally, you know, you have an eight hour work day. And that made a huge difference for just telling the story of the place and making sure that we saw everything we could. Did, 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 were there times you just didn't even have a clue what time of the day it was? Yeah, I remember waking up a couple of times and seeing four o'clock on the boat clock and, you know, automatically your body assumes it's 4 p.m., but it's actually 4 a.m. and people are just starting to get up. And yeah, there was no schedule. It was like when we are ready to sail, people sleep and take turn on watches. And when we arrive somewhere, it's if the weather's good, we mission. Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, I know that there's also different kinds of animals in the ocean and on land there. And you mentioned the polar bears. Did you guys have any encounters, encounters or see anything that, that you just wouldn't see sailing around the world in other places? Oh, man. <laughs> Big question. Yeah, we, we we had we had this day called the, the Day of Magic, the Magic Day. Yeah. Oh, Tell man, that, that sounds one. like the chapter of a book or something. Yeah, so we – so there's – so walruses, there's a lot of walrus up in Svalbard and the males kind of conjugate in groups that are called huddles and they hang out hmm. in certain areas and so you kind of know where to find them. So we were out checking out this this group of walrus and man, these animals are insane when you see them in person. There's just so much going on with them. The smells and the sounds and the way they behave with each other, you know, there's a, a big group of maybe 20 of them and they all, there's, there's kind of this pattern that they do where they all get kind of get together. They get as close as, as possible on shore. They're all sunbathing. And then all of a sudden one of them just roars and like rips, lifts up its tusk, which is like a meter long and just jabs the one next to it. And then he roars and jabs the one next to him. Oh and then they gosh. all jab each other. And then they calm down for a minute, you know, let out a, a few farts and a few groans. And then it just starts all over again. And it's hilarious. Like it's, thousand, it's, thousand pounds of just blobs. You know, to 2,000 pounds. Just yeah. like big blobs. <laughs> like on land, they are just, yeah. Like it's incredible they even get around. And then they just, yeah, when they stab each other, they start bleeding. So it's like. It's a really weird scene. It's so gnarly, yeah. So, so we were it's there. Checking it seems like a strange dynamic of to, of existence. It is. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, is. Exactly. and they roll like literally. If they're trying to get to the water, they either worm themselves or they just roll. And it's so funny to yeah, watch like an a sausage rolling a, down a hill. Yeah, to get around <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, oh man. We were checking them out, and there's actually some smaller cruise boats that that go around in Svalbard and there was another group of people there and we heard the, and these guys have master, they're kind of master scouters for finding polar bears and stuff. So they had found a polar bear on the other side of this kind of bay that we were on. So half of us were in the dinghy, half of us were in the boat and we hopped, we hopped in, in them and went across this bay and yeah, we saw a polar bear, mother walking along the shore with her like two-year-old cub um wow. and the whole experience was just i don't i don't know if you could get a better experience with a polar bear for so many reasons the first one being we were in a dinghy and they were on the edge of the shore so the safety is ideal we're not on land where we need to move away from them or fire a warning shot or anything like that, we can just observe them as is and we're not really bothering them, which is the most important thing. 
Um, and we kind of watched them. They're looking for food. They found this old seal carcass that was all rotten and they look kind of hungry. And the mom's like looking out, you know, kind of she look, her, she has these facial expressions in all the photos where she looks like worried and she doesn't know what to do. And they keep moving and they end up coming on this uh, whale carcass that had frozen over the year before and was just thawing. And they just went to town on this thing. And I seriously have photos of the mama polar bear's face after, and she's like sticking her tongue out and smiling. And it was just, we watched that. We were able to stay with them for hours and kind of have this whole experience. With wow. Them. Hours. Yeah. Right next to a carcass. Like how, how, like you said, ideal, like there's no better way to describe that. Everything yeah. to make it like part of, you know, like a discovery channel documentary. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard. The thing about wildlife is that it never plays by a, a time schedule <laughs> ever, you know, and, and when people shoot, you know, documentaries like that, they spend days, weeks, months out in the wilderness to get those shots. So the fact that we found it that day was really, really, really special for sure. Um, and if that wasn't crazy enough, once we all got back on the boat and started sailing again, we saw a huge pod of beluga whales and started to try to make our way towards them and uh, got some drones in the air and man the drone shots we got that day it just it looks like these ghost whales and they swim in these formations and then they go down and feed and the oh it's overwhelming but we had a the other photographer uh the ship's photographer was on the boat james from the uk and he had a hydrophone so we dropped the hydrophone in the in the water and i'll i'll send you the clip if you want the audio clip of the sound that we recorded this day because yeah it sounds like a it sounds like a jungle like monkeys and trees and all this stuff i don't know if if you've heard a whale before normally it's like weird you know low bellowy sounds and this was like whistles like yeah, wow. I'll send it to you. You can you yeah. can play it, and people can. Take You'll be like, oh, this, no, this, this is not underwater. That. That'd be so cool. This is the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah that was our day. Of so magic. that was the day of magic. It started out with walrus, a really cool encounter, polar bears an hour later, and then as we were sailing away, blue whales. And that's kind of what the magic is of going to high latitudes and places that people haven't seen is wildlife that is just flourishing. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like. Maybe back in the day, the whole world was like that to some degree. Like every time you go sailing, you should be able to see whales and things. But it's just declined so much that you have to go to these places that, you know, people don't normally go and and to see something like that all within one day. That was one day for you guys. That's what an opportunity. I mean, yeah, that's that was worth the experience right there. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, that was like two weeks into the trip and. By that time we came to terms, we were like, okay, well, maybe, you know, polar bears are kind of hard to see. Maybe we, we won't see one this trip, and that's okay. You know, it's just the, the name of the game. Like, people we spend years studying polar bears, and to see that and the beluga whales and everything in one day, yeah, it was perfect. It was just like, okay, sweet. What, was there this pressure? Because I, I know you guys, you know, a huge part of what you do is sharing it. Is when you have days like that, is there this pressure or do you, what do you feel having to capture it? Are you excited to capture it? Is it like, oh, kind of just want to enjoy this. I don't want to pull the camera out. I don't know. Maybe we all have relationships with our cameras a bit different. Like, I don't know. What do you feel, Alex, about that? I think that the positive part to being 
in a group of people that film is that if you're not in the mood to shoot that day or you just want to experience that moment for what it is and not through the camera lens, probably someone else is going to be filming. And that works out really well because, you know, you can, you don't have to, I guess, feel that. Because I know exactly, of course, we, we know that pressure that you're talking about and we're familiar with it. But the fact that when you see someone else pick up a camera and film the situation, you know, you don't have to do it. It's, it's nice. You can just be in the moment. And then sometimes you just have that urge and, and you're the one doing it and no one else has to do it. So that's the perks. Yeah. On a, and and to answer your question, man, on a day like that, like you're fighting, I mean, everyone has their cameras out. Like that's, you're just everyone's cause everyone has a different style of filming too. We all have a different kind of way we, we want to capture something. So on a day like that, everybody has their camera up and, so oftentimes Brian and I will share a camera. So I'll take it for five minutes and film and get some shots like of the polar bear eating in slow motion or whatever, and then hand the camera to him. And then I'll just sit and watch and enjoy. So what Blue said about filming in a group is, is so true. It's not like, you know, I imagine, you know, some shows or discovery channel or something where there's somebody that's like the talent, I guess. And then there's a cameraman and he's so, I don't know, he has so much pressure to capture everything and it's only on his shoulders, that one cameraman or two cameramen. So, I don't know, for us, yeah, it definitely makes a big difference to, to spread it out in a group and to pick up each other's slack if we're not feeling inspired that day or or not on top of it or, I don't know, sometimes I forget a memory card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that happens. And Yeah, I'll say when there's a, a day, I've had days like that, especially during a journey where... Uh, like I want to be one with my camera. Like I want everyone I know to experience it with me and to see what I'm seeing. And then there's other days, you know, if I'm just doing a day trip and I'm like, you know, I just want to, I, I need a break from life. I don't want to pull my camera out. And there's nothing really that mind blowing happening anyway. But with a day like that, I can imagine everyone was just so stoked to capture everything they could. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think so much of like the storytelling aspect of things it does actually happen in post in editing when you sit down and you look at the footage that you have well that's the story that you have and there's a lot of different ways to put it together and depending on who's editing that footage they're going to put it together in a different way but you can make you can make it work one way or another you just have to be creative when you're when you get to that stage so it's like do what you can do mm. what feels right in the in the moment and then when it when it comes to putting it together if we have the story we do and if we don't then we don't and we work we we work with what we have yeah so so that was uh i'm sure that was a pretty unique exciting story to be able to tell uh when when that trip was over were you excited to get back to uh may, may, warmer weather <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know man i think I always, I mean, I love tropical sailing. So before I did something like that, I was always just like, nope, okay, it'll be fun. It'll be an experience, but it's not for me. And after doing that trip, I think all of us kind of, especially Brian and I, we talked about it. We're like, it's actually pretty sweet. As long as you're prepared and you have the proper clothing and know how to dress and keep yourself warm, it's not that bad. Like, it really is nice. Granted, like I said, we were there in the summer, so the temperatures were right around freezing most of the time and the water was right around freezing so it wasn't like you know negative 50 negative 60 and and 
you know, getting frostbite kind of cold. Right. Still manageable. But at the same time, the things that we love about sailing and living on a boat, I did miss. Like you get done with a long day of, of filming and hiking and you just want to hop in the water and go for a swim or I don't know, just, it was different, right? You get different rewards for different, different sacrifices. Absolutely. So yeah, we, I mean, we caught so much amazing footage on that trip and, and we decided to put it together in a bit of a different way. So instead of doing, instead of, um, editing it together and putting it in like the timeline of our, uh, YouTube videos on the channel, we, have been working on that footage for a while now and we basically worked it into a three-part mini-series about the trip <clears throat> and it has a little bit of a different style it's definitely still Delo style but we did some things differently and we are going to <laughs> what are we going to do with it <laughs> no um we've been talking to like what <laughs> yeah, you... i was gonna say <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, what do you do, right? It's, it's, we have our YouTube channel and, and it's, we have tons of viewers and, and, it, and it's great and it's beautiful, but the whole thing we talk about of evolving and, and just changing things up is, is always inspiring to do instead of just being stuck in a rut and continuing to do the same style, same everything. So for the, yeah, for these, we had the chance to do that and we kind of set out before we even got to Svalbard to talk about it and be like, okay, we're going to film this. Not in necessarily a different way, but we're going to add some different shots to it, like sit down interview shots and and really pay attention to the cinematic style of it and film as much as we can and take our time putting it together mm. instead of being like, okay, the YouTube episode needs to go out every Friday. We have to finish this edit. It was more like, let's take it, let's watch it, let's kind of work on it in the background and, and make something of it as a, as a trial to see what we can do and what inspires us. So like Blue said, yeah, a three-part miniseries is coming out of it. Each episode is going to be 30, 40 minutes long, something like that. And we're super proud. And I think what we're going to do with it is either go the Netflix route or the Apple TV route, or we will do something with iTunes or something like that. We haven't figured out. There's, there's a lot of different angles you can go, but it's definitely something that's a bit bigger than YouTube, we feel, that it's a way to kind of spread our wings and, and start doing things a bit different um and it's a good testing ground so we are currently actually doing premieres of of um the part one of the episodes and we're, we're going to boat shows we're going to be at the annapolis boat show in october ryan just did one yesterday at the southampton boat show and yeah we're pretty much just going to go from there and and see what happens with it are, are you excited or are you nervous like what, what are you mostly feeling about uh, testing this new ground <laughs> yeah, a bit of everything, I guess. I mean, I don't know. If it, it feels like if if we didn't, we're so grateful to have our YouTube audience in the position we're in because we have so many amazing, dedicated people that are are with us through the thick and thin. You know, they're mm -hmm. part of our family and they're part of. They've supported us for you know five, six years or more, and they know us and grow with us. And like, you know, there's a lot of people out there. So no matter what, we'll be able to show these people and like be proud of it. And one way or another, even if we do on our own website, we release it or something. So it, that kind of takes the, the, a little bit of the strain off of our shoulders as far as like, what are we going to do with this? What if it's a failure? What if it's a success? It's not really about that. It's about sharing it kind of in a different way and, and reaching the most people we can in a way to inspire them to, 
to do what we always do, like just to inspire people to do something different with their life. And the more people we can reach to do that, I think the more, not to sound cheesy, but the better the world becomes, I guess. Yeah, I, I will say your your community after releasing the episode, it was awesome to see the interaction levels, how many people reached out to the show. Um, it, it seems like a legit following of wonderful people. And anything you can do to continue that and grow that, I would definitely encourage you guys to. Because it, it's not like you're not uh, familiar with testing new things. I mean, after 10 years of being here, it probably feels like normal life. But for every person that comes across your YouTube channel, it just I, mean, I guarantee it just blows their mind that people's doing this. And the fact that you guys just said yes to it over a decade ago, you know, yeah, I, I think that spirit's still alive with you guys. And you got to keep testing new ground and, and seeing what seeing what happens. Yeah, no, 100%, man. And, and we have to keep, you don't have to remind ourselves of that. But at times, like we were talking about before, things do become mundane and, and the extraordinary becomes the ordinary. And eventually you have to find that that thing that ignites your fire again and then just go for it because otherwise, what the hell are you doing? I don't know. Otherwise, you might as well just not do anything at all, I guess. So you have to kind of push those limits and make yourself feel uncomfortable and, and do the things that are the risks and put you in a place where you're either scared or frightened or challenged, no matter what good will come out of it for sure. And it sounds like you're also doing that with um, captaining the ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's weird because when Brian and I are on board, we definitely, I mean, he's the captain, he's the owner of the boat for sure, but we never run the boat when it's the four of us of like, what the what the captain says goes, you know, it's 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 pretty democratic and we like, all right, do you guys, do we want to go here? Do we want to go there? And we're kind of co-captains in, in, in that sort, responsible for the boat. Um, but it's definitely a whole new level, right, of taking on complete responsibility with Brian not being here and running the boat and making sure, I mean, first and foremost, the crew are safe and that Delos is safe and then everything that comes after that, including filming and, and making sure the business continues to run and releasing stuff on YouTube. And luckily, because we've been doing this kind of trade thing, because Brian's been back in Sweden having the baby, you know, they've kind of taken over the land-based tasks of releasing the episodes to YouTube that we've edited in the past that him and Karen have edited. So it really gave Blue and I a bit of time to focus on filming instead of really getting sucked into the editing of stuff we did in the past. So even that is evolving in itself because when the, when the four of us are living on the boat together, it's constant nonstop work and we're constantly trying to battle, you know, taking days off or filming or trying to find internet or editing. And when you kind of have the roles that are, all right, well, Brian and Karen are in Sweden and they're kind of a normal life living in an apartment, kind of working nine to five. They can handle some of those tasks that on a boat is are super, super difficult because you're sailing, you're traveling, you're fixing things, you're filming and you're editing at the same time. So taking one of those out of the equation really, really gives you a bit more time to do what you love and or try something new you know I, I know if i'm ever really wanting to mix the life up it helps when some of those tasks get taken off my plate to kind of make some room for trying something new yeah and then and we're gonna do it again so like like we were talking about in the beginning blue and i are sailing the boat to the caribbean the sail from the canaries to the caribbean is about 2800 miles and it should take us anywhere from two to three and a half weeks depending on the winds and the conditions, <coughs> excuse me. And then, um, we're going to hand the boat back over to Brian and Karen and the new baby. 
and Blue and I are going to fly to to Tahoe and just kind of edit the footage that we've been working on this season. So then we'll go into kind of shore support mode and edit the footage and release the videos and do that sort of thing while they're out kind of learning how to be a family on a boat. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'll be excited <laughs> to see some videos based on that because uh, I we I just had a kid too, and, and I just know what it's doing to our family here and on land, landlocked in Colorado. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, in the middle of the ocean what it's going to do. So that'll be interesting. Uh, you you yeah. might have mentioned, but you you, you said that um, uh, it's going to be a mini series. Did did you mention how people can watch it yet, or is that all those details not worked out yet? You know. The, the best thing for that is to is to just follow us on on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Everything will go out there. Yeah. Um, as far as the, I know I mentioned the premieres, and I don't want to get people's hopes up because they are they're all sold out now. So mm. there's not really a possibility to go That's to the premieres. News. Yeah, it's good news for sure. If people want to see it and keep up, I mean, the best thing people can do is just follow at SV Delos on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, just search SV Delos or Delos on YouTube, and it'll come up and. It, when anything comes up, we'll we'll definitely post there of what we're doing with our with our mini series and and everything really. Instagram wow. is definitely up to date. It's it's where we are now and what we're doing and the challenges we we have of Blue and I being on the boat, uh, running the boat ourselves, and YouTube because of the length of videos we do uh, takes a, a lot of work, man. It takes a ton of work to edit these episodes together. So they're about four months uh, behind real time. And I don't like to use the word behind, but, you know, they're four months Out. post real time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Think of it as a wine, a bottle of wine. you got to age it. It's got to, the story's yeah, got to yeah, age exactly. and, and really, to really make it good. There you go. Yeah, you have to look at it. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise we'd be putting out nothing wrong with it. But what we're inspired by is making longer format stories. And otherwise, if we wanted to be closer to our real time, we'd, we'd seriously have to put out videos that were seven, eight, 15 minutes long and, and not put as much love or creativity as we want into them. So it's, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's your style. Like, you know, I've learned with this show, just the style that you have to kind of maintain. Um, you kind of want to switch it up. You kind of want to change things, but it's working. Uh, it's creative and, obviously you guys are inspired by it and it really your 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 fans are inspired by it too because obviously they're they're watching them so if it's working for you might as well keep doing it that way you know yeah 100 percent. i think it's a good motto too coming i have a, a bit of a different perspective since i came into the picture a bit later than these guys but one thing that's said all the time on delos is do what inspires you work on what inspires you, film what inspires you, edit what inspires you, write what inspires you. If you're not inspired to be working on something, then there's no point to do it. And I think that because of that, we we do that. We do play by those rules. And maybe it, it isn't playing the YouTube game or doing things the way other people are doing them, but it feels right for us. And that's sometimes it's really hard to get inspired i wish you could just flip a switch and be like creativity on (laughs) but you know i heard a quote recently i can't remember who it was it might have been interviewed they said um talking about the 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 work that's behind art it's uh, a lot of freaking work but if you can balance that saying sometimes it is just putting your head down and having to do your job and then other times it's 
yeah, that inspire this inspiration can be hard to come by, but you know, but balance between the two and the fact that you've got each other, you know, you can kind of help carry each other when, when the one isn't feeling super inspired. <laughs> oh man, I do that all the time. I say every other day, blues carrying me with something You're like, no, we got it. You can do this. It's going to be good. And I'm like, all right, thanks. Yeah, I needed that. <laughs> That's too funny. And now last question, I don't, I know I want to respect you guys' time. And I also went over with Brian just cause y'all are a great conversationalist and just so interesting to talk to. Um, no so, um, what, you know, you're going to get back to, uh, the Caribbean and go back on land. What's the biggest thing about land you miss? Yeah, I think that for me, it's having a community that I, that a physical community that I can invest myself into and have the returns from that. I don't know if that quite makes sense, but you know, we have this, this awesome community of the Delos tribe who amaze me all the time. Every time we pull up to a new country, someone's waiting there to say hello and to show us around. And we get so many nice messages from people. And so in that sense of the word, we do have a community, but for me, it's just, I, don't know, I guess it's just normal life things like, having a yoga studio I can go to regularly, having a horseback riding barn I can go and be a part of and, and give to and have like re- long standing relationships with, you know, everyone we meet, even our longest relationships are say, for example, the crew we just had on the boat for three months and we're still saying goodbye to them after three months. And it's really sad. <laughs> you know, when people leave the boat, it's, it, it's really hard because when you're out here, you only have each other. Mm-hmm. And you get really close with each other. And yeah, you get annoyed with each other too, but it's a very, very like deep bond that you grow with these people. And that's the longest that you get. And everything else, you meet all these amazing people and you're just saying goodbye to them. You know, I don't even ask for people's numbers or anything anymore because it's just like, hi, bye. Hi, you're awesome. I would love to be friends with you, but I'm leaving. And it just happens again and again and again. And, and then even with the crew, you're always saying goodbye. And so it's, it's just, it could be difficult. What is sometimes. Brian? Brian says it really well. He's like, it's constantly like being a senior in high school at your last day. Oh school. wow! You know, yeah. It's like, Dang. it's like, you 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 build such close bonds with people when you're sailing and when you get to a country and and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, we're off on to college or university, and you're off to a different college or university. So yeah. see you later, maybe you know and. Yeah, yeah, I'd say for me that's that's definitely the hardest part too. Like, just missing constant friends and and being able to have a a friend that I can call on the phone and be like, "Hey, bro, do you want to go grab a beer tonight?" And just go do that, and then go home to our separate places. And I don't know all these things. This grass is always greener on the other side, right? Because I'm sure there's people out there that are like, "I'd give all that up to go sailing," you know. And I totally, <laughs> totally, I I totally understand that. And that's the funny thing about life is is the grass is always greener, and and to balance it is key. That's why Blue and I are going to Tahoe. We're gonna go live in the snow for a couple months and just immerse ourselves into the mountains instead of the ocean, and and work and friends and and all that. And then once that becomes mundane, then we'll try and sail again. And I think I can speak for both of us when I say. The number two thing we both miss is burritos. Oh, God, Mexican oh, burritos. Okay. <laughs> I could smash a burrito right now. <laughs> oh, man, that is too funny. It's it, Yeah, it's it's you can't just run to the grocery store, I guess, and, and get a bunch of stuff you want and make. You kind of have to plan all that ahead. 
Yeah. Luckily, I mean, where we are now in the Canaries, there's pretty good markets and grocery stores, but it's constantly changing and, and every country has their own culture and different things in the store. And then you got to find the store and then you got to find the ATM and then there's different currency. You have to do the exchange rate and make sure you're not spending money. And like, it's a lot of work just to go to the grocery store and you don't have a car, so you have to walk and yeah, I'm fortunate to have a very good burrito place across the street, uh, and I walk my dogs by it every day, and man, too many days, I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to walk in what's real your, quick. What's your go-to? <laughs> well, they make this awesome breakfast burrito that I get any time uh, of the day. It's, you know, it's just got everything. It's a chorizo with some bacon as well, and egg and potato, and, and some salsa, and oh my gosh, it, and it's huge okay. for like five bucks, and stop it. Oh stop my it. gosh, and they got so many other things too, but you know, it's just, it's it's too tempting, honestly. It's honestly, I, I should probably cut back on them, but it's just right there. But I will say, yeah. you know, I mean, the grass is greener on the other side. I'd love to be sailing across the ocean right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to give up sailing for burritos. I'm just saying that's what I miss. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you think of us next time you eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely will. Savor it. Savor every bite for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. It's for you. And I will be thinking of you when I when I edit this episode. And you know, I'm like, wow, somebody out here actually enjoys doing this. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, cool. Well, yeah, thank you guys uh, for doing this. And, you know, honestly, uh, best of luck to you. Uh, I'm just going to reshare the same um, social media links and everything of how people can follow you. And uh, unless you want to add another one, but best of luck sailing um, together by yourselves. It's uh, you know, a new experience. Not maybe not a totally new experience, but it's gonna be fun. Yeah, man, it's always good. Yeah, Thanks so thank much, you, man. man. Have a great day. All right, see y'all. Bye. Thanks. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>